You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show. States across the South announcing plans to open up more. What that means for several SEC sports, we will discuss that. Georgia, they are one of the hottest teams heading into next football season. We'll talk all things Bulldogs with Brandon Adams of Dog Nation. And SEC hoops coming to a regular season's end. We will recap a couple of the games from last night heading into this weekend. I am Chris Gordy. Be sure and subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcast. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. All right, just as we do just about every day in our first segment, let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the Around the conference. And we start at Auburn, or at least a player leaving Auburn. After previously announcing his transfer commitment to Tennessee, former Auburn defensive lineman and second-team All-SEC D lineman Big Cat Bryant, he has announced a new transfer commitment. Like just about everybody that has left Auburn this season, Bryant is heading to UCF to reunite with Gus Malzahn. He announced the news on Tuesday afternoon, tweeting out, I'm just ready to play ball. I didn't get to wreck college football like I wanted to last year due to injury. So Big Cat Bryant heading to UCF, which is almost like if they had a couple more members, we might as well just invite them to the SEC because there are a lot of former Auburn people over there. And since Gus Malzahn took over the UCF job, a number of former Auburn players and staffers have followed him. As far as players go, running back Mark, Mark Anthony Richards, wide receiver Nate Craig Myers, and now D-lineman Big Cat Bryant have all followed him there. Yesterday, Malzahn announced he was bringing on another key staffer from Auburn, assistant to the head coach, Ross Newton. So more Auburn people continuing to flock to UCF. Yesterday in the state of Mississippi, their governor, Tate Reeves, caused a lot of college baseball fans in the Magnolia State to be very excited. Reeves held a press conference announcing the latest executive order regarding COVID-19 regulations and said that they are rolling back many of those regulations. He said, quote, there is a 50% attendance limit on indoor venues. There are no more limits on outdoor venues for colleges and universities. In a statement on Tuesday, Mississippi State announced it would, quote, optimize capacity at events in the near future while maintaining appropriate health and safety standards. So that means attendance going to increase at Mississippi State baseball games. Meanwhile, at Ole Miss, their vice chancellor, Keith Carter, called it a, quote, exciting step toward or forward for our state and country. So we'll see what Ole Miss decides. But this means um, positivity, I guess, for Old Miss and Mississippi State baseball fans, where their stadiums have been capped at a certain number. Sounds like they're going to increase that number. Now, it doesn't say open the floodgates, let's pack the stadiums, but it does um, provide more leeway uh, in the immediate future for more games to be in attendance at baseball games. That matters as we uh, look ahead to SEC baseball uh, conference play starting up in just a couple of weeks. Meanwhile, over in the state of Texas, Governor Greg Abbott, they lifted the statewide mask mandate, declaring Texas, quote, is open 100 percent. 
Texas A&M, they released the following statement saying, current rules and protocols at Texas A&M regarding face coverings will remain in place until March 10th, before which the university will issue further guidance related to the executive order. So you have to think Texas A&M probably going to increase uh, fan attendance at baseball games. We'll see if they tell them you don't have to wear a mask, period. But that's what that's coming. Uh, sounds like it's coming from their governor of Texas. And then over at Florida, Athletic Director Scott Strickland, he took to Twitter on Tuesday saying he thinks most schools are planning for full football stadiums in the fall. And there is some optimism that medical professionals will actually allow it. So trending maybe in the right direction. Look, we want to be safe. We want to do everything we're supposed to be doing, but also... If it's safe to do so, you have more fans at games, we'll see that happening here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, worth noting that capacity at the SEC tournament coming up real soon at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville for the annual men's uh, basketball hoops tournament. Uh, they have capped capacity at that at 20%, but according to some school officials, they're just happy to have any fans in the stands after what happened last year, having to cancel the SEC tournament midway. Uh, really, before some teams even got started, even played any games in it. Uh, over on the football side, Phil Steele, he projected out who the uh, preseason AP Top 10 is going to be for 2021. The AP has not released their rankings yet, but in Phil Steele's projections, he has three SEC teams making the Top 10. Again, this is how Phil Steele would rank the teams, but he has Alabama as the preseason number one. All by Clemson, Georgia coming in at number three, Oklahoma number four, Ohio State five, and Texas A&M coming in at number six. So three SEC teams still still projecting to be in the AP poll preseason top ten. Over at Georgia, Kirby Smart spoke with the media yesterday as his team ramps up, uh, gets ready for spring practice. He was asked about adding to his roster via the transfer portal this offseason. He said he wanted to make it clear that will never be the priority for the Georgia program. He said, look, we have needs. Defensive back is a spot that we are thin at. The Bulldogs do have several promising players on their roster, such as redshirt freshman uh, Kelly Ringo, redshirt freshman Jalen Kimber, Major Burns as a sophomore, Nylon Green. Smart went on to say the cornerback spot is completely open. To name the guys, it's probably not smart of me, where we have a lot of guys it could be working at cornerback. Every guy on the team is a potential cornerback right now. So no starters being named just yet in the secondary for Kirby Smart. Over at Arkansas, Sam Pittman, he is adding to his Arkansas support staff, announcing the hire of former Georgia Southern Director of Player Personnel, Butler Benton. Prior to landing at Georgia Southern, Benton had served four seasons at Michigan State as their player personnel coordinator, Benton also has experience working in the player development department at Notre Dame, but now he will be the director of player personnel at Arkansas. Two weeks after announcing his decision to leave Vanderbilt, wide receiver Jaden Harrison has found his new home. He announced he will be transferring to Marshall, where he will play for first-year coach Charles Huff. Huff, of course, previously served as associate head coach and running backs coach at Alabama. Jaden Harrison played in all nine games for Vandy last year, registering eight catches for 20 yards and returned seven kickoffs for over 140 yards. 
And just a quick LSU football-related note. Uh, LSU will open their football season at UCLA on September 4th later this year. Well, the Pac-12 just released their schedules for next year, and UCLA is going to play a warm-up game. They will take on Hawaii a week earlier on August 28th. So UCLA will be LSU's first game of the season for them, but for LSU, they will be UCLA's second game of their season. Over in hoops action last night, number 12, Arkansas. They scored 100 points for the third time this year as they beat South Carolina 101-73. Razorbacks won their 10th straight SEC game. Moses Moody tied a career high with 28 points. It's the second straight year Coach Eric Musselman has won 20 games at Fayetteville. Arkansas ends the regular season at home against AM on Saturday. South Carolina, they finish it out with Kentucky on Saturday. Man, nobody wants to play that Arkansas team going into the tournament. They are red hot. Speaking of red hot, number eight, Alabama. They beat up Auburn last night, 70-58. Jaden Shackelford, he scored 23 points for the Tide, who secured their first SEC title in 19 years over the weekend. It was Bama's first season sweep of Auburn since 2015. The Tide cut down the nets to celebrate their league championship after the win. Bama's still holding out hope for possibly a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, which they could do with a strong finish uh, to the year. But next up, the Tide, they will visit Georgia to close out their season on Saturday, while Auburn closes out their regular season Saturday against Mississippi State. Lastly, LSU, they took out their frustrations last night on Vanderbilt to snap their two-game losing streak. LSU earns their 10th win in the conference. They will finish out the season on Saturday at Missouri. Coming up next, we're going to talk all things SEC, including Georgia Bulldogs with Brandon Adams of Dog Nation Daily. We tell you guys all the time, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. They've got tons of different flavors to choose from, several new ones as well. Go to their website right now, BuiltBar.com, and check them out. They are bars covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, and they are great if you're looking to be a little bit more health conscious in the new year, looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They are low calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. Great if you just had a workout and you're looking for something, hey, you just did all those reps on the bench, I need some protein in my system to help build up that muscle BuiltBar.com is the great option to go to. Check them out right now. I guarantee you're going to find a flavor that you like, or like I always recommend to people, try the variety pack. You get tons of different flavors. You can try them all and find the one that you like most for the next time you order them. But make sure when you find something you like, you use the promo code LOCKEDON20. It's LOCKEDON20. You will get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, two top teams in the NBA's Western Conference battle it out before the All-Star break. Will the Suns and Lakers meet again in the Western Conference Finals? And get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. Really excited to catch up with this guy. He is host of Dog Nation Daily, dognation.com. It's uh, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldog fans covering all things uh, Georgia Bulldogs, but he also covers a lot of other things around the SEC. was watching him this weekend on the uh, SEC Daily videos, talking about Eric Gilbert not going to 
uh, Florida and where he's going to end up now. So figure we get Brandon Adams in here and touch on a number of different SEC topics. And he joins us now. Brandon, what's going on, man? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be with you. Absolutely. Let's start there, Brandon. How surprised were you to hear uh, that Eric Gilbert, the the highly touted five-star uh, tight end that started his career this past year at LSU as a true freshman, uh, he ends up transferring to Florida this offseason, doesn't even last, what, like a month or two there, and now he's on the move again. I've heard a number of different things. What are you hearing about ultimately why Eric Gilbert is back in the transfer portal again? Yeah, I mean, certainly it's an unorthodox decision, easy word for me to say, I guess. An orthodox decision when you make your transfer announcement and then you, just a few weeks later, kind of change your mind on that. And as you said, there's all kinds of, you know, rumors out there as to what this is about, whether it's related to some academic stuff. I know some of the Florida message boards had been talking about that. Some people are even taking it a step further, which I'm probably not even, you know, you know, necessarily comfortable, uh, you know, saying one way or another. All I know is this, is that, when you go to a place like LSU, which was obviously the hot team in the country in 2019 and maybe a little bit different in 2020 than what he thought he was going to be a part of, I mean, Gilbert wouldn't be the first guy ever to get homesick in the process, right? That just kind of happens from time to time. And then, you know, taking some time to, to make your next decision, sometimes that's not the most linear thought process either. Maybe that's what's going on here with Florida. As it stands right now, I don't think anybody knows what he's going to do. I know um, a guy that appears in our show fairly regularly is a former Georgia wide receiver named Terrence Edwards, who was also a personal mentor to Gilbert. He was kind of a personal coach for him back when Gilbert was in high school in the Atlanta area, and he tweeted within the last 24 hours or so that no one knows what Gilbert's going to do right now, and I think that's uh, probably the case. There were a lot of Georgia fans at one point in time who maybe hoped that Gilbert would land at UGA. There's certainly no evidence to suggest that's about to happen, but I guess it's still a possibility, but it certainly doesn't appear to be imminent right now. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up is, you know, when, when he was leaving LSU, some of the rumors coming out of there was that he was, quote, homesick or wanted to be back closer to home. Well, when you consider he's a he's a Georgia native, uh, the Bulldogs made a lot of sense. And obviously, look, they're, they're a strong program, obviously set up for great success this year. Uh, I mean, like, if, if you had to put an odds on it, would you say 20% chance he winds up at Georgia, less than that? What would you say if you had to put money on it right now? It's just a guess, but I would say more likely not than than it will happen. I would say that Gilbert more likely chooses a school other than Georgia if you want to put a you know a kind of an odd thing on this. It's important to remember that when Rick Gilbert was coming out of high school, you know he was a big time recruiting target of Georgia. But some of the things that Gilbert said on the recruiting trail, he was pretty skeptical of the Georgia offense. Listen, given the way the Georgia offense is played, probably somewhat wise for Gilbert to be skeptical of it. But he clearly wasn't sure how he was going to be used in the offense. The phrase that he used as a high school senior that always stuck out to me was that he didn't want to go somewhere and just run a bunch of stick routes. In other words, five yards, turn around, look at the football. He wanted to be a little bit more of an elaborate centerpiece for an offense, which obviously I think he has the talent to potentially be somewhere. And so he's been skeptical of the Georgia offense before. Now, the UGA offense has probably gotten better over the course of the last year, and Georgia probably more effectively used a tight end similar to Gilbert and Darnell Washington near the end of the year. But given the fact that I think that Gilbert has some skepticism about Georgia, given the fact there's this academic concern, you know, potentially out there, at least the rumor mill would have you believe. And the other thing here is, is that technically by the letter of the rule, and who even knows if rules even matter anymore, but by the letter of the rule, he's not allowed to transfer within the SEC and be immediately eligible anyway. Now, last year, the supposed one-time, you know, kind of, what do you want to call it, like a exception because of coronavirus that allowed 
you know, Joey Gatewood to go from Auburn to Kentucky as a, for instance, that's not supposed to be in place for this year, but there's a chance maybe the SEC changes its mind on that at some point. I do want to talk some more on Georgia with you, but uh, but I'll save that for just a bit. Uh, one other SEC question for you. I saw that uh, Big Cat Bryant made his announcement. He is following uh, Gus Malzahn over to UCF. It now feels like, man, there's a, a handful of Auburn players going down to UCF and following yeah. following Gus. And I saw your tweet. You said UCF is more of an SEC team than Tennessee at the moment. What do you make of the offseason that the Vols have had? Um, Josh Heupel, look, I, my, the one positive for them is their offense and quarterback play has to get better with Heupel there. Uh, they've yeah. actually not, not been good there in recent years. But what do you make of the offseason the Vols have had and how – far or how long do you think it'll take for them to turn this thing around i mean a lot of your audience may disagree with this but i truly don't believe especially given how it's worked out over the course of the last few weeks i don't think they should have fired jeremy pruitt if your replacement for jeremy pruitt was josh heifel i don't know that you've gotten better from a coaching standpoint now he's more maybe even tempered whatever you want to say about that but he's clearly an inferior recruiter and i don't believe there's much of a plan in place in terms of you know, stocking him with good assistance. Take, for instance, what Sam Pittman did. No head coaching experience, hired by Arkansas. His offensive coordinator is Kendall Bryles. That's a big-time hire. Defensive coordinator is Barry Odom. That's a big-time hire. And lo and behold, Arkansas was way better last year than a lot of folks thought they could be because Sam Pittman did a really good job of hiring a coaching staff. By comparison, you know, I don't see the same kind of, you know, hit the ground running with a plan in place from Josh Eiffel. I don't know that UCF's recruiting was very good while he was there. And, you know, they just missed out, you know, on a quarterback named Sam Horn, who chose Missouri at the end of last week. Also missed out on Ty Simpson, but nobody thought they were going to get Simpson, who was a five-star quarterback from Tennessee. But some people thought they could get Horn, who was a quarterback from the Atlanta area. He chose Missouri. And if I'm a Tennessee fan, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, wait a second. I just brought in a coach who's supposed to be some sort of quarterback whisperer. Hypo was a great quarterback at Oklahoma, has been a good offensive coordinator at one time at Missouri, and kind of an offensive-minded coach at UCF. If Tennessee can't win a recruiting battle for a guy like Horn, so a guy like you, I drink with that five minutes ago had no pedigree in the SEC at all. If I'm a Vols fan, boy, I'm really wondering what's going on here. And as you said, with Big Cat at UCF, with Malzahn at UCF, who's you know certainly beaten Alabama more in the course of his tenure than you know Tennessee can say in a long time. I, I sort of wonder is the better program right now down in Orlando and not in uh, Knoxville, even though Tennessee has got the former UCF athletic director, former UCF head coach. They've sort of imported some of the American Athletic Conference sensibilities to the SEC, would seem then. More with Brandon Adams right after this. Bet online, they are the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Look, we know football's over, NBA is in the thick of it. They're about to hit their all-star break and then fast and furious down the stretch of the season. College basketball, just a handful of games left, especially here in the SEC. And then we got the SEC tournament. They got odds on it. They got action up at betonline.ag right now. Real-time updated odds and prop bets on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has got you covered. All the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head on over to betonline.ag right now, and when you do so, you want to make sure you put in our promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all caps. Head to the website right now. You can do so on your mobile device, your tablet, your laptop, whatever you use to get online. Sign up today at BetOnline, and you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with that promo code Locked On. It is BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts.
Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, Cade Cunningham. How much do you really know about those potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more, you can subscribe to the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. Prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, full coverage of March Madness. Just uh, four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. Looking at some this week, Moses Moody from Arkansas. He's up there pretty high. Some SEC guys expected to go in the first round of this year's NBA draft, so uh, make sure you are subscribed to uh, to their podcast, checking that out. We are continuing our conversation with uh, Brandon Adams, host of Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldog fans. Check them out on Twitter at DogNationDaily and DogNation.com. This daily podcast, uh, talking all things Georgia Bulldogs. I want to talk about Georgia, Brandon, because, look, I, I've been buying into the hype. I, I love what we saw out of the Bulldogs down the stretch last season once JT Tan- Daniels took over at quarterback. And, look, that's with no with no disrespect to uh, Stetson Bennett or any of the other guys, but obviously JT Daniels turned that offense around. We saw the receivers more productive than they had ever been. And I'm just buying into the hype. I think that they are going to be the team to beat. I think they're obviously the team to beat in the East, but I feel like they're the uh, you know going to be a contender for the national championship next year. Am I too high on the Bulldogs? I mean, I know they've lost a lot on the defense, but, man, it feels like this offense could be really special. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt the offense is way better now a year into the Todd Munkin era than they were, like, say, in 2019, where this Georgia offense really struggled. If you're not watching Georgia regularly – I don't know that you realize just how bad and how kind of mediocre that offense became in that season. The last year for Jake Fromm, Jake, uh, James Coley as offensive coordinator, it was just kind of a mess. Con Munkin was kind of an immediate upgrade, even during the Stetson Bennett portion of the year that you mentioned before. The Georgia offense is actually still probably performing better in SEC play than it had the previous year under uh, James Coley's offense. But as you said, it got even better once J.T. Daniels is the helm. So, obviously, the sky is the limit for what they could potentially do this season. I think the big issue, though, is is that when you look at what Alabama did in 2020, so what LSU did in 2019, when you look at what you know programs like Clemson, Ohio State, have been doing fairly regularly, the, the bar for being best team in the country, among the best teams in the country, and the offensive firepower required to do that is just so high. So, it's definitely a fair point to say, yeah, it's appropriate to be optimistic about what Georgia might be able to do this season. Plenty of UGA fans certainly are, but I would say you got to still couple that with, I mean, Alabama averaged 48 points a game last year. Georgia's still a far cry from having done that. And maybe this is the year it falls into place, but, uh, but the challenge of being as good as the very best offenses, it's a pretty daunting one. What, what do you make of how the schedule sets up? I mean, obviously, look, that, that first game of, of the season is going to garner a lot of attention with, you know, Georgia against Clemson. But, you know, people I've talked to about that game say that game really doesn't matter, right? Because if Georgia loses that game and runs the table, you know, they're, they're in the championship uh, or, or in the playoff. If Clemson loses that game and runs the table, they're in the playoff. So it's a nice, it's a fun early season gauge of where both those programs are. But in the grand scheme of things, I guess it's just, the game doesn't matter in the end. Well, let me try to sell you on the opposite point on that for a moment because you can make a case that if you're Clemson and you were to lose the game and, you know, somehow you get tripped up in the ACC, you know, North Carolina is better this year as a, as a for instance, you know, stranger things may have happened. Then all of a sudden, if you don't have that at-large win against a team like Georgia, you know, do you have the at-large case for college football playoff? 
This is maybe even more so true for Georgia because look at the SEC the last couple of years. Uh, Alabama did make the playoff in 2017, having not won the SEC. Georgia would have liked to have been considered in 2018 when it played Alabama close and missed out on the playoff when Notre Dame and uh, Oklahoma got in instead. And then last year, Texas A&M, I think, was hoping for playoff consideration as kind of a second at-large SEC team. So the notion of multiple SEC teams playing and being in the playoff conversation has been something that's happened more often than not in recent years. And obviously, Georgia fans wouldn't be ready to concede the SEC to Alabama or anybody else. But it has been a factor that that second SEC team has won a playoff consideration. So Georgia, if it can be Clemson week one, I think gives itself a little cachet whether it wins the SEC or not. Now, it still may not be good enough to, to make the playoff if, if Georgia's not the SEC champion. I think the committee grades the SEC pretty harshly sometimes related to stuff like that. But it would be it would, it would be a little bit of a cachet for Georgia if they could have that Clemson win so they could maybe buy themselves some goodwill in the event they, you know, like what happened in 2018, you know, play Alabama close in the SEC championship game, but come up a little bit short. the The game of the of the year, obviously, and it just feels like it's it's every year is Georgia versus Florida, and obviously Florida loses a lot as well. Uh, what do you make of this Florida team this year? And and if you're a Georgia fan, how concerned should you be about Florida this year? Well, definitely, given the fact that that game played out the way that they did a year ago, you know, Georgia should obviously is forced to take Florida seriously right now. But just between you and me. You know, I, I think that Florida is likely a far cry from what it was a season ago. We talked about Gilbert at the beginning of our conversation. Not having a red Gilbert, I think, a big blow to Florida. You think about how how potent Kyle Pitts was in that offense last season. That Florida's really in need of playmakers. There's no Pitts anymore. There's no Kadarius Tony. Some of those guys that were there are gone. You're also breaking in a new quarterback. I think it remains to be seen if Emory Jones is the starter, how good it'll be. In fact, I almost wonder if someone like Anthony Richardson, who's another quarterback, kind of in the wings there at Florida. I almost wonder if he doesn't push Jones for some playing time at some point. So this is a Florida team that's probably not quite as good as it was a year ago and probably not on the same page as Georgia from a talent standpoint. It's also a Florida team that, given the fact that it has to play Alabama in a crossover game, it plays LSU every single year. I think LSU's a, a, an improved team in 2020 compared to what it was in 2019. Schedule-wise, at least within SEC play, you know, Florida's set to play – a little tougher, you know, road than what Georgia's going to have to play. So not only does Georgia look like the better team on paper right now, I would say within SEC play, they also have the far more manageable schedule. This is as manageable a schedule as Georgia's probably had, other than the huge marquee game to begin the season. It's been a while since the schedule has set up as well as it does for Georgia. In fact, for your audience who are, you know, betters and considering over-unders, things like that, take a look at that Georgia number when it comes out in comparison to the, uh, to the schedule that Georgia's playing and how frequently Georgia's going to be at least a double-digit favorite. Oh, I'm telling you. I mean, road trips at Vandy. It, your toughest road trip is at Auburn, and they got a new coach. That's right. Uh, you know, at Tennessee, I guess it's a hostile environment. We'll see what the fan attendance looks like at that point. But, man, right. it's uh, it, you're right. I mean, the, the schedule, you got to love it if you're a Georgia fan, and uh, uh, you really hope Kirby takes that next step this year. Um Last thing for you, Brandon, what did you make of, uh, I know Greg Byrne, the AD at, at Alabama, came out this week and said the goal is they are hoping for full stadiums in the fall at Alabama. We've heard some other schools across the SEC also issue the same sentiment. In my mind, they got to get as close to that as possible just for the financial ramifications, right? They lost so much money last year, they got to get back to at least having close to full stadiums. How much of a possibility do you think that is this year in the SEC? 
Well, I think it's more of a possibility than maybe at one point in time I thought it would be, right? I, I've grown way more optimistic recently. You know, we're obviously talking sports here. We won't talk much hard news, but it certainly seems like the vaccine rollout is going pretty well right now. And so the chances of that making people feel better as you approach the, su- uh, the, the summer and the fall. I'd watch Major League Baseball this summer. It's kind of a precursor to that. I think Major League Baseball is going to try to have some more fans, and I think it gives you a chance to do more of that, you know, around college football as well. I mean, I'll say this. I don't know how many games you attended this past fall, but I was at one almost every single Saturday, and it was really weird. And it's actually kind of an interesting takeaway from the season that when you saw the game played, as much as I love it, as thankful as I was to have it, when you saw the game play without fans, I do think you were left to say, this isn't the same sport when you don't have, you know, 93,000 between the hedges, 100,000 there at Death Valley or, you know, 105,000 at Kyle Field or whatever the numbers you're going to kick around is. The absence of fans made the sport feel smaller. And so you say bring the fans back to the financial ramifications. That's obviously true. All these SEC teams, uh, you know, lost a bunch of money this year. But I say bring the fans back as well to make these games feel as big as they used to. I mean, you'll allow me to kind of theorize here for a moment. The ratings are down in almost every sport across the board. College football took a big hit. The college football playoff this year. I think if I had to give my best guess, there's a little idea in the back of the mind of people that if the stadium's empty, the games aren't real. And so I think we need fans back to make these games feel real and and big again. I think we all missed that this year more than we probably realized that we yeah, that's a great point. That that was my biggest argument for not naming Alabama this year the greatest college football team of all time because you know, I watched Joe Burrow and LSU have to go into a, a packed Brian Deddy Stadium, yeah. sold out loud and yelling. And again, it's not, nothing to take away from this year's Alabama team. They were historically great, but they never had to walk into a hostile environment all year long. And so that kind of that kind of went into that argument for me. But uh, hey, I think that's one hundred percent. I think it's a very fair point. One hundred percent true. <laughs> Brandon, this has been great, man. Great to uh, to talk with you. Let all our listeners know uh, where they can find your stuff at. Well, certainly on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or any of what we call Dog Nation. That's our site on YouTube, Facebook, uh, any of the platforms, you know, podcast platforms as well. We're there each and every day. As I said, not just talking Georgia, but talking a lot of the rest of the SEC too because there is always something going on. There's no doubt about that. Brandon, thanks so much for the time, man. We'll have to do this again soon. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much. It's Brandon Adams of uh, uh, Dog Nation Daily on Twitter and um, – I really appreciate his opinion, obviously, uh, on Georgia, who is going to be one of the top teams talked about throughout this season in the SEC. But uh, I think I think they are one of the SEC's best chances to win a title this year. Now, obviously, Alabama replaces a lot, but um, you know, Nick Saban never has an issue with reloading and uh, having a team poised for a national championship run. So expect uh, the tie to be back in there. But could some of these other teams, dark horses, compete? Can Florida be just as good at quarterback with Emory Jones in and Kyle Trask out? Can LSU rebound? We saw them get good production at quarterback from Miles Brennan. Can that defense be turned around this year with Durante Jones? Um, you know, tons of questions across the SEC, and the good news is it's March, folks. we got plenty of more months and weeks to discuss it and break it all down as we look ahead to September. But, man, I'm so optimistic about having – Plenty of fans back in the stands at SEC football games this fall. It's going to be a lot of fun to uh, continue to discuss. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to break down uh, the Wednesday night action of SEC basketball, and we'll have some more around the conference news for you as well. All that coming for you tomorrow on Locked on SEC. Make sure you subscribe 
to our podcast and catch us. We're here for you every day, Monday through Friday, talking all things SEC. I'm Chris Gordy. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.